1: So, I've been giving a series of talks on the liberative practices, paramitas, literally it means practices that carry one, carry us across to the shore from samsara, from suffering to nirvana, the awakening. Uh, so, just to review, and some of you have heard all this before, maybe many times, but there there's a set of six and there's a set of ten. So these are generosity, ethical conduct, patience, energy or enthusiasm, Samadhi, meditation, and Prajna or insight, prajnaparamita. which uh, and, so, and often those six are spoken of as a set. But then also, there are upaya, skillful means, vow, powers, and knowledge, jnana. So I've spoken uh, recent, you know, within the last couple of months or so, about generosity, about patience, about energy, enthusiasm, vigor, about, uh, most recently, about knowledge. And today I wanna to speak about upaya, or skillful means, as a liberative
2: practice. So skillful means
1: in Buddhism, in Bodhisattva Buddhism is kind of the expression or the equivalent even of compassion.
2: Skillful means is about
1: observing and responding to all the particularities, all the particular beings, all the particular situations in our world. Without forgetting the ultimate or universal truth, which is expressed most fully in the uh, Vajna Paramita, the insider wisdom practice.
2: So in some sense,
1: this is about varying teachings for different situations for particular people, particular beings. This is a way of talking about the whole wide range of the Buddhist teachings. There are so many of them that came from India to China to Japan now to now here there are uh, and even in Zen, which is supposed to be uh, Directly meeting mind beyond words and letters, we have huge libraries full of Zen teachings, <laughs> commenting on the old stories. Uh, but in every, for, in all the times when Buddhism has crossed into new cultures and new times, from India to Tibet to, to China to Korea to Japan to South <laughs> Asia, there are.
2: There's the problem of, oh, well, how do we absorb all these many teachings?
1: So I believe Jesus taught for three years. Buddha taught for 40 or 45 years. So there's a lot of different Buddhist texts, Buddhist sutras, scriptures. And the whole point of this, and we could say uh, the heart of compassionate expression in Buddhism goes back to the great teacher Yunmen in the 900s, who was asked, what is the teaching of the Buddha's whole lifetime?
2: And he said, an appropriate response. <laughs> so how do we express appropriately to all beings and to the various different beings this uh,
1: ultimate universal teaching thinking about this talk today you know it's easier to do that when speaking one to one to someone but to speak to all of us here i think 15 people in the room and
2: um, i believe eight i can see on zoom so thank you for that um
1: and so, you know, you're all the same in a way. You all care about how you live your life, or else you wouldn't be here. As Dogen said when he, when he came back from China, eyes horizontal, nose vertical. We all share that. Or at least the uh, human type beings who are listening to this. To express this to uh, a group of uh mis- this many people, or sometimes assemblies of much larger people, of course, one has to express that, the, the uh, teaching. And, it, and it's said often that different people in a large assembly will hear the teaching differently. And that's also because each of you is unique, and that's wonderful. Each of you has particular uh, karmic situations. So Judith would here when she was here was talking about the particular karmic issues that we all have to face—that we are each in some way traumatized or harmed by—how do we speak the ultimate truth to so many, too to many people at the same time? Well, the skillful means is about recognizing the differences, and uh, my own um, bias <laughs> is to. Uh, give you the ultimate, <laughs> give you the the, the uh, advanced teaching, even if you're just here for a little, if you've only been here a little while, because I think that actually finds its way to your ears appropriately. That's my my faith. So again, this skillful means this upaya. Sometimes it's translators as expedient means, but that uh, <laughs> there's something about that, that rubs me the wrong way. It's just how do we speak skillfully about the Dharma, about awakening, and maybe each of us has our own way of doing that. But also, each of you has your own uh, particular situation in, in which to hear that. So, how do I? how can I say something helpful to each one of you? (laughs) Even if it's the same words. So, uh, this teaching of skillful means, uh, maybe it appears before this, but it's most fully expressed in our Bodhisattva Mahayana uh, literature in the Lotus Sutra.
2: And there are many
1: stories in the Lotus Sutra about skillful means. Maybe I'll get to one or two of them, but um, the understanding is called Ekayana, one vehicle. This is a way of including all the so called different vehicles, the different branches, the different schools of uh, Buddhist teaching.
2: So, uh, the point is
1: that each one of these branches of the teaching is appropriate for some people, is helpful for some people. And they're all directed together towards liberation, towards awakening. So they're all part of the same, the same vehicle, actually. They're all part of expressions of particular expressions of how to support people to practice the way of awakening. That's what we're here for, to find a way to practice that supports the awakening that is already here on each one of our seats, and also to relieve suffering, to recognize the particular
2: sufferings of particular beings. So all you know all the different
1: teachings of awakening are included sometimes it's said all the different buddhist teachings but you know i think in our uh, pluralistic society where we can appreciate many different spiritual traditions not just buddhism you know we can we can include all of them as as much as they are helpful in as much as they uh, express Something that fosters practice, the practice of liberation, the practice of healing, the practice of kindness, compassionate teaching,
2: and insight. So,
1: this means that we can learn from many different kinds of teachings and uh, practices, uh, as Judith Regeer was talking about, we have all, in, in Americans, and we've all learned from the insights of Western psychology. One example how do we include all that in our practice of awakening, in our practice of kindness, in our practice of meeting each situation, each person, each being, and helping? sharing. So this is, again, about compassion and kindness. So there are many stories in the Lotus Sutra about this, and I'll just maybe mention a couple briefly. There's a story about uh, a father who comes home and sees that his house is burning down, and he wants to save his children who are inside.
2: And so this is a metaphor for the
1: Buddha and for suffering beings. Uh, the father tries various things, but the children are all enjoying playing with their toys and games, and they don't want to come out of the house. They don't, they don't realize or they don't care that it's burning. And then uh, the Buddha says, oh, I have some wonderful uh, Vehicles, some wonderful cars out here for you that I'll give to you. And he describes uh, for example, the Shravaka vehicle, which is studying and learning, and the Arhat vehicle, which is personal liberation, and then also the bodhisattva vehicle, which is all beings included. These are practices about all beings. And 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 then they so they come out and they and after hearing about these different vehicles, it's just one. Ox cart, the ox representing uh, the Buddha in this case. But anyway, he gets them out of the house eventually.
2: (laughs) Before it goes down to the ground. Just saw a movie about that last night. Maybe I'll come back to that. But um, there's another story which I like a lot about the uh, Dharma Rain. So the Dharma, the teaching, various practices
1: uh, rain down throughout the world, throughout the universe, throughout the earth. And each plant is nourished by this rain. The plants are different, but the rain supports all of them. So that's another way of, another metaphor, another example of skillful means. There's some problem with this teaching though, historically, because there's a tendency, you know, to think about, okay, let's include all the all the different teachings, all the different vehicles, all the different paths. We'll include them. we'll, we'll include Pure Land Buddhism, for example. But of course Soto Zen is much better. <laughs> so there's a tendency to uh you know produce a hierarchy and and and, and be kind of uh dismissive or uh, of, of other practices that might be included in the one field. But actually, the practice of, of uh, skillful means is they're all included. They all help. They all go towards awakening. And, you know, it, I'm, I've examined, practiced some of the many different versions of Buddhism around since I started, since I first uh, and my first Soto Zen, zazen instruction, and I've always been just grounded in Soto Zen. It's just, it just made sense to me. It works for me. But I can also um, appreciate all the others, and that they work for some people. So it might happen that I would tell some of you, "Oh, you might try going and practicing Pure Land Buddhism or uh, mindfulness uh, practice." Uh, Yet, at the same time, I want to share with you how wonderful, let's say Soto Zen, or I would say Dogen's tradition or Suki Roshi's tradition. Dogen didn't like the word Soto. Uh, that was added later. He didn't even like the word Zen. It was just Buddhism. he said. <laughs> so uh, this is a, a, a part of what we need to be careful about when we talk about skillful means to include all the different teachings without dismissing some.
2: So my job is to um,
1: share sotos and teachings and encourage you in those, and I think they're really wonderful, and there's lots of them. So that even even within one tradition, there are are lots of different uh, expressions But I also, you know, appreciate, um, I don't know, Rumi and uh, Desert Fathers and, you know, many other spiritual traditions. So we don't have to disrespect any.
2: There's a story
1: about a particular Bodhisattva in the Lotus Sutra called Never Never Disrespecting. And he's in the middle, he's in the monastery and... He goes up to people and says, I don't disrespect you. (laughs) People get really upset with him. (laughs) They want to kick him out. He's just hes annoying, but he really just, you know, really respects everyone and proclaims that. Hmm. So I want to talk about this also in terms of the Bodhisattva of Compassion. Malakiteshvara in Sanskrit, Kanzeon in sino japanese we'll chant later to Kanseyon. <clears throat> this is the Bodhisattva, who Kanzeon literally means to hear or regard the sounds of the world. Sometimes it's, it's translated as the cries of the world. And she is a total expression of skillful means. So there are many different forms of this bodhisattva. The iconography of this bodhisattva is very uh, diverse. Up on the altar, there uh, for those who can see it. I don't know if the people online can see the altar anymore. But there's a uh, next to the Buddha is a statue standing of thousand armed Avalokiteshvara, comes out an eleven headed. This is a Tibetan version. The Tibet Valakiteshvara uh, is pronounced Chenrezig. But this is an example of skillful means. So this Bodhisattva of Compassion, um, again, there's many forms, and I'll come back to that. But, uh, and Guan Yin is her name in China, uh, you can see in that statue a thousand different arms, Hands and that one I think literally has a thousand, or maybe it's maybe it's some multiple of a thousand, but quite a few. Um, There are statues I've seen in Asia with literally a thousand arms, and in each hand there's an eye. So this is about seeing from different perspectives. How do we? What is an appropriate response? Well, we have to be able to see. Different expressions, different kinds of beings. So, the Bodhisattva of Compassion in our tradition has a thousand hands and a thousand eyes to see the particular issues that particular beings have. She has in many of her her arms or many of her hands many different implements, all kinds of things: pot shells, parasols, uh, dharma wheels. Um, not all being that in statue, stature, but uh, bows and arrows, swords even, um, all of which, all of these implements are tools for skillful means that can be used in particular situations with particular beings. Many different kinds of beings, many different kinds of situations. How do we respect the particulars? We're all part of one universal
2: awakening. But
1: uh, we each have our own particular uh, stories, our own particular childhoods, our own particular traumas or, or,
2: or difficulties. How do we really include all beings?
1: This is the idea of the Bodhisattva Awakening being who's dedicated to universal awakening, not just awakening for her or himself, but that we're all together in this, even though we we have differences, even though we sometimes disagree about things. We're all together in this. That's the heart of compassion and the heart of our practice and teaching. So I, I was talking about the Bodhisattva of Compassion, Kansayan,
2: And as I was saying, uh,
1: she hears the sounds or sees the suffering of many different kinds of beings, and she has different tools. She has a toolbox of different uh, implements uh, in her hands uh, to use in
2: different ways.
1: So uh, also... Valakiteshvara, Kanzeon, Chenrezig, Guanyin has many different forms. So the the one on the on the altar now has a thousand hands, and actually eleven heads. Uh, so there's uh, a series of three heads and then a tenth, and then the story is that one story about that is that the bodhisattva of compassion was looking down on this world of suffering. And she and she freed and saved all beings there. Everyone came into Nirvana, and then she looked back, and there were many more suffering beings who were taking the places of the of the other suffering beings. And she was grief stricken, and her head split apart. And this happened ten times, and finally, all forms of this bodhisattva have amida Buddha. Uh, and and it's uh, the top head in that eleven-headed. Uh, form of the Bodhisattva of compassion. So Amita Buddha is, the well, Amita Buddha, Amitabha in Sanskrit is common to all of the Mahayana or Bodhisattva teachings, but especially um, important in the uh, Pure Land teachings, where they focus on chanting her name. But, uh, but Amita Buddha is also part of Zen, so Zen includes a whole lot. And as Zen is uh, being translated, has been translated to America, we are even more inclusive. So, yes, everyone is welcome. Everyone with their particular issues is part of suffering beings that need to be freed. So uh, there are actually technically, well, there's six main forms of the of compassion, comes in. One of them is kind of wrathful. Uh, uh, some of them are like the goddess of mercy you will see in Chinese restaurants. they very serene with only just one head and two arms. <laughs> um, and there's another system, and uh, I don't know if, it, I guess it does go back before China, but of 33 different forms of bodhisattva compassion. And they're all, they're all different. So the point is that compassion needs to be expressed and addressed to many different kinds of beings, not just human beings even. So I have an image of, a large image at home of the Bodhisattva of Compassion standing on a frog. Suzuki roshi liked frogs, which mm. a lot. Anyway. Um,
2: yeah so uh the last thing i want to talk about is how these 10
1: practices of liberation support each other so it's not these are not separate
2: so for example
1: the practice of skillful means kind of obviously is supported by the practice of knowledge that I spoke about recently. Knowing the differences between different beings helps to then express the teaching in a different way. So really, looking at it, and so so just also to say that there's a, a Buddha version of, of these skillful means, which uh, sometimes is expressed as the Buddha actually knows all of this and can do this perfectly. Um, but in the story about the burning house, even the Buddha uh, doesn't know what to do at first. So skillful means is trial and error. We try things. So skillful means is supported by patience. We need patience to try and understand the different beings, the different people that we are addressing, that we are uh, sharing our lives with in our world, family, friends, people we work with, how do we listen and understand? It? So again, Zeon means to listen to the voices of the world. So patience is really helpful for this. <laughs> um, but each of the ten support each other in various different ways. So insight or wisdom, paramita, different from the practice of knowledge. This is just clear seeing. So with this insight, we can uh, see particular beings we're engaged with and uh, see, hopefully see how to respond to them, how to share with them this, uh, this practice of skillfulness, this practice of skillful means. Just to to see some other examples of how these how these support each other.
2: Well, samadhi meditation,
1: which includes zazen, it's not exactly the same as zazen, but that helps us too when we sit upright and are present with our own thoughts and feelings and. Don't try and push them away, but but, but allow them to go and they may come back
2: right away or a little bit. But uh,
1: to be, uh, to study what it's like to be present in this body mind. We, by doing that, to feel what we feel, we can. have more of access to the different beings and how they feel. So all of these different liberative practices work together in lots of different particular ways. And again, it's about including all of them and all beings together in how we share the awakening that's already here on our seat and how we share that with the different beings in our own body and mind. We all have different qualities, different tendencies, different uh, sadnesses, different uh, joys. How do we share share that for ourselves? Uh, so uh, I could go on talking about skillful means, but I think it might be more skillful now to just open this up and to uh, invite you to please uh, Share any express any perspectives you have any questions you have. We have a, a little while to talk about this, so uh, please feel free to questions, comments, responses and uh, Ruben, maybe you can help help people online and if you raise your hand here in the room, maybe I will see you
2: So,
3: I I mean, the skillful means one thing I'm interested in is some part of the systems thinking community. And there's been this, you know, ongoing discussion about, like, there's 10 zillion brands of systems thinking. and, And then some people have been trying to decide, okay, well, can we have a system of systems methods where people can, there's some... You know a way for people to decide like what tools or methods are valuable in what situations and and nobody's really been able to agree on on a like a grid kind of thing and and I mean what I was thinking, I think the Buddhist discussion of skillful means is is useful because I mean maybe I think if you're looking for rules um you know about what to apply when that doesn't work very well, and the listening. Um you said listening and and um listens and and it has more to do with i think you know listening and and reflection. you said trial and error yes and and but trial and error doesn't work unless you take the time mm-hmm. to reflect on it
1: yes, thank you very much you're you're reminding me of something I wanted to include and didn't really completely get to, which is that. One of the greatest hindrances to awakening is attachment to one. I'll use the word method that some the yeah. schools use. Um, I don't like that word in, in connection to spiritual practice. Uh, could because people get attached naturally get attached to one practice or one method or one way of meditating or whatever, and and if it's helpful to you, great. But then. It's very easy to think, oh, this is great. I want everybody to know about this. I want to tell everybody, you've got to do it this way. <laughs> yeah, and then brand it. Yeah, and, and so you have brands. And the point is not to get stuck on some particular skillful means. One has to be
2: present and aware and listening and Try different things. It's not one, it's it's never one one rule, one
1: approach for all beings. Uh, We have to be flexible. And and if you find something that really works for you, it'll change, you know, next week or next year, whatever. Uh, So uh, part of skillful means is to be listening, to be paying attention, to the different beings and the different parts of oneself and to see when one particular program or method that you think is really good might not work in some situations. So it's, it's difficult. It means being flexible and that's difficult because especially when (coughs) we find something that we like, you know, I, um,
3: I like vanilla ice cream, but I'm willing to try other flavors. Yeah, but, but also there isn't It's you can't, I think, really find a defined set of rules for like when you're going to eat vanilla and when you're going to eat chocolate.
1: Well, you can try and do that. I think some people do. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, anyway, um, yeah, it's about flexibility, trial and error, making mistakes. It's very important to make mistakes. Uh, uh, there's a uh, line in the Jolmer Samadhi we sometimes chant. That can could be translated, it's not our translation, but uh, it could be translated as making mistakes is auspicious. Hmm. So trying to be perfect <laughs> hmm. <laughs> can't do it. My favorite Zen Koan I've mentioned many times is from an American yogi, but he he said if the world were perfect, it wouldn't be. So <laughs> We we call these, these ten. Sometimes the parameters are translated as perfections. Uh, maybe we should say imperfections. Anyway, mm-hmm. how how to um, how to
2: adjust when something doesn't work? Other comments,
1: responses, questions.
2: Who's that over there? Arhena's. Okay. Oh, hi. How, how
1: are you?
4: So thank you because I also do the Vipassana. I do if anybody's familiar with the Vipassana. Yes. And all the requirements that it have is that you don't practice anything else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You just practice Vipassana. So I don't, and I'm very grateful for that program because I don't have sort serving there. And i don't many programs. And it's like ten pain pretty intensive. But sometimes I find myself in this dilemma where, they ask the question, do um, you practice any other uh, meditation? And, uh, it, and one of the rules is not to lie. <laughs> uh, so uh, one of the precepts is not to lie. Uh, and then I find myself in this dilemma. and so say, who am I answering this question? You know, because being here is against that because this is a different practice. It's not reposinant. So and I find myself saying, I'm doing this for them because uh, by saying, no, I don't practice any other uh, meditation. So, and, the, and also the, the teachers also ask you that. So I'm finding myself in the same situation and saying, no, I'm just doing it for them, for them to feel good about it. Because that's what they want. So that's skillful means, yeah, yeah. So that's exactly that's what I'm trying to say. So I don't find myself, even though technically I'm lying because I'm not saying the truth. But I'm not doing it for for me. I'm doing it for them because that's what makes them feel well and feel comfortable. So and I don't a lot of practice there, and I have benefit very much from it. Uh, and I, you know, in some way, I respect their. The point of view, but I don't, I don't uh, share it because I agree totally with the teaching that you just said, and we're we're all different, and and we we'll all have to to adjust to what it is that skillful means to do what is best for the whole, and sometimes that means um, that means probably uh, thinking about the other person, yes. And um, and so I I do like <laughs> in that way, but it's uh, uh, I don't I don't see it in that way. I see it that it's a skill for me for the situation that I'm confronting right now. Um, the thing was with my immigration situation at one time, I had to for whatever reason I was working here and I was not able at that time, and I found myself you know. This wasn't the legal thing to do at that point, but it was the thing that I needed to do for that time to survive. And and eventually, as I was doing this, it's kind of interesting because um, some things that got in the way for me to become legal here at one time were the same thing that helped me to get the residency, which is kind of ironic. So in that way, I, I think I acted in a way of a skillful means, even though I was kind of like, no, following what the rules were at that point, but it was the best for me at that point to be okay with it, yes, to be able to overcome, and where I become useful to all things too. I, I so I appreciate very much
1: your talk. Yes, thank you. I have a number of responses to what you just said, which I appreciated very much. So the story about the burning house. Sometimes people get upset because they say, "Well, the father or the Buddha was lying to the children by telling them he was going to bring them all these all these different cars, and he only brought them one Mercedes or whatever it was, which is the, the which is the you know the universal vehicle." Uh, there are teachers in various traditions. There are some Zen teachers who, te- who tell people who are studying with them, no, you can't talk to any other teacher. I mean, it's not just the Pasa. Uh, one of the things I've talked about here many times is that our, this Sangha, Ancient Dragon Zen Gate, is very much enriched by the fact that many of you, many people who come here, have practiced with other teachers, have practiced in other traditions, and that enriches the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, I don't tell anybody who comes here not to practice with any other teacher or any other tradition. But the other side of that is sometimes people go around and, sh- and shop around with in different traditions and with different teachers as a way of, uh, sometimes it's called spiritual bypass, of avoiding committing to some particular way of doing things. So how to, to see, so this is kind of subtle to see how to actually fully take on a practice, but you can use other resources. Whatever helps is great, you know. So in this room, looking around, I mean, Douglas has practiced Tibetan Buddhism with other Zen teachers from other Zen lineages. Uh, David Ray practiced mindfulness. Uh, David Weiner practiced Native American traditions. Uh, Kathy has practiced Taoism and Tai Chi. Um, you know, there's more examples. Alex practiced for a long time in a Korean tradition. Uh, Ruben has practiced with other teachers. So has uh, Eve. Uh, that's great. But then, when you find a practice that really works for you, take it on. But it's okay if you if you go and you know see another teacher sometime. That's part of our tradition. Just so this is subtle. This business of skillful names. It's not it's not so easy. Sometimes maybe it's just better to stick with one tradition and not see anybody else. But I'm not telling you that. I'm not forbidding you to talk to to go to other traditions. Um, uh, sometimes I myself have felt like some traditions are, um, I could say, inferior, <laughs> you know, that that, that Zen, Soto Zen is great. It really is. I mean, I'll just say that again, but uh, I can appreciate anything that helps. I used to think, for example, that mindfulness teaching was kind of watered down Buddhism. It did. I thought that. Uh, and I know John Kabat-Zinn, who was the founder of a lot of mindfulness uh, programs. And, um, I had a family a connection with him. Anyway, uh, well, the last time I saw him at a conference, a, a Buddhist teachers conference of all all kinds of of um, all kinds of Buddhist teachers, I said to him, you know, I used to think mindfulness was watered down Buddhism, but now I think it's great. It helps people, and he was really happy. <laughs> So how do so we have to use our own common sense. You have to trust yourself, and each one of you, each one of us, has our own particular situation. So how do we see what is helpful? And if you go to the group, and it's helpful, great. But please keep coming here too. <laughs> uh, I appreciate your presence. Uh, we're, it's, it, we're almost out of time, but if, uh, there's, if there's one more comment or question, somebody hasn't spoken yet.
2: Hi, oh, Jen. Jen.
0: Hi, Jen. I can't hear you. I know. Um, not good, okay. I don't know. Uh, you know, I'm always worried about being completely off the subject. <laughs> and uh, so. I will, I will cut
1: you off if you go too far away. <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> I went to the the Buddhist reading group. You, I want to call it the Naharanja group, but I know that's not the right word. And, what? The Nagarjuna group. Nagarjuna, yeah. Okay, good. And um, uh, and um, there were actually some people in that group that I didn't totally appreciate.
2: And um, <laughs> I won't tell them. Okay.
0: And one of the people that fits that description started talking about emptiness and nothingness. And all of a sudden, I understood emptiness. Um, And this came from somebody that I just described, and I was really, I just really thought to myself, knowledge comes, knowledge can come from the, from the direction that you least expected, that, you know, that you might have even been resisting. And I was very happy to have had this experience for the reason that I've given you. And, but now I have lost it. It was something. It was the understanding of emptiness. Right. Good. (laughs) and And that was something that that was something that just all of a sudden was utterly clear to me. And the next time I tried to retrieve it, I couldn't, and I still can't. And, um, and so now when I see the expression, uh, well, the, the joke, the joke of the the Buddhist, the priest that receives a an empty box, and he says, "Just what I wanted, nothing," <laughs> and. I look at that and I think, yes, but you got a box. You got a box, full of air. <laughs> <laughs> but you—you you got a box full of air. <laughs> you know, this is not nothing.
1: Can and, I really interrupt and, and and say some comments on that? Okay. <coughs> yeah. So emptiness is not nothingness. Often it's translated. Sometimes it's been translated as voidness. Emptiness is that each one of us is empty. Of permanent steady qualities, and that's what skillful means is about that there that we each one of us and each and each of us day to day has different perspectives and different needs and so emptiness another way of talking about empty emptiness is just that everything everybody everything this stick is empty of inherent substantial existence. Another way of the, the flip side of emptiness is to talk about suchness, which I have a kind of bias.
0: <laughs> you wrote on. a book on a subject.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I did write a book on it. But, um, <laughs> but that doesn't mean I don't respect emptiness teaching. But the point is just that this emptiness is also about seeing how any one method, any one expression is empty of you know, total the total answer. So emptiness can be translated as relativity. We're all interrelated. Every every being is interrelated in lots of ways. So anyway, uh, good luck with with emptiness.
0: Okay, and and then I wanted to go to the other part of this where uh, the joke that always brings a laugh. Um, Buddha Buddhism is the only religion, and I would quote. Quarrel with the idea that it is a religion, but then uh, that's just maybe semantic. Um, Is the only religion that promises nothing and delivers? (laughs) Every people laugh about this, and um, there are times when I think it's just a joke, and other times when I think it's a very well. I don't discount jokes as being very serious, or and and um, I think this. Joke that people, the reason it brings laughter is that it's so serious. And uh, so I've made this comment, and I hope I'm not too far off the subject. Not and at all. That's all I want to say. Thank you, Thank Jen. You.
1: And you know, the other side of that is that seriousness can often be a joke. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, skillful means in all of this, in our practice, is about being flexible being willing to adjust, seeing
2: different perspectives.